better and better and better gamers gamers better and better and better gamers gamers the veteran gamers interview Hello everybody, this is Duke Scath from the Veteran Gamers and welcome to a special Veteran Gamers interview. I am joined here today by Kevin from Hearthfire Studios and they just released a new game called Lantern Forge. Uh, so Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I want you to, oh, actually, you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, one of the other co-hosts of the show has this bizarre little habit that he always starts every interview by asking the same silly, unrelated question, what's your favorite kind of cookie? Hmm, man, hardest question I think already. <laughs> we like to start um, with the tough stuff and then get it out of the way. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I always have to say double chocolate chip. Oh, those are very nice indeed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to uh, video games. Let's start with a little bit of background on yourself. What were your favorite games when you were growing up? Um, definitely like RPG hack and slash, uh, first person shooters. If you blended those together, I absolutely loved it. Um, honestly, one of the best games I've ever really liked was System Shock. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, that yeah. was just mind blowing. Classic, no doubt. Um, and what was it about RPGs that interested you when you were younger? I like, I like getting stronger and being able to destroy stuff. You know, just you you see that progression. So yeah, no, I, I wanted to fight a hundred enemies, get even stronger, get bigger weapons, and then go fight another hundred enemies. I that was what I wanted to do. Absolutely. Um and when did you get an idea that you wanted to start making games? Oh, I when I was like seven years old, like like just as a little kid, I would sit there drawing out my little, you know, two D platformer levels on paper mm -hmm. and drawing monsters and all this kind of stuff. I've I was always fascinated by video games. You know, Super Mario World came out on the NES and I was just like, I need to do this, you know? Sure. So yeah, I've I've always known I was gonna make video games. Yeah. And what was the first game or project that you made? You ever work on mods or things like that? Um the funny thing was, is that I grew up way up north, way out in the bush. Okay. So I literally knew I wanted to make video games when I was seven. I never even had a computer until I was like 10. Oh, wow. So then, or I mean, not, I mean, in grade 10, mm. like, like I was almost 14, 15 yeah, yeah. at the time, right? Yeah. So then I just, I just dove in. So yeah, I started playing around with like unreal level editors and all that kind of stuff. Um, ended up coming down to Toronto, went to school then, and I just started making flash games. So I started making flash games. Um, I remember, um, stickdeath.com. I used to, I used to love stickdeath.com and sure. I would make my own animations, my own little games of how to do that. So, but my own, after that, I started making little iPhone games and stuff like that over the time and paying off massive school debts and that. But I'd say I really got into it about 2005, making some iPhone games. Excellent. And how was that experience in terms of making the games for the iPhone? Do you, do, do, do you con consider yourself still an iPhone developer? Or are you mostly moving toward the PC now? Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely PC now. Working for the iPhone is 
it's rough. Yeah. You're, you're you're trying to make one of one billion games and then stand out and stuff like that. I think I've made a total of like five dollars off my iPhone sales <laughs> altogether. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I'm not an iPhone developer, both by choice and by financial requirements. Mm-hmm. So, sure, no, I, I love PC. Yeah, and there was some controversy recently with the developers of Banner Saga who were upset by the fact that you know Apple wanted them to drop their price way down. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, do you think there's something that can be done to help support developers on the iOS or is it just the consequence of everybody developing for that platform? Um, yeah, I think it's literally just the consequence of it's a really easy platform to develop for. Yeah. And you have a lot of people that see the the Flappy Bird. Oh, man, that guy made so much <laughs> money. I'm going to do that too. Right. I can easily take the basic game. I'll switch the art. And then I'll make a million dollars. So you get a lot of people that are flooding the market. And this is also in PC games as well mm-hmm. that are flooding the market because they see the money. They don't realize the practice that's going on behind it. They don't understand what makes a game you know how do you the 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 fundamentals of a game are not just you know well this guy made something jump so i'll make something jump and make money you know like guys started making games in their basements in their garages and that and they had the fundamental principles of what makes a game a game Mm -hmm. they weren't thinking about the money so yeah the market's getting so flooded that it's hard to compete i mean you have people that are giving away games for free how do you give away a game for free make any money (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose it seems like the type of thing where they think they feel like they have to get people's attention and build a status for themselves, and then they say, "Oh, well, then I'll get money after that." But I wonder how often that second part actually comes true. So. And it, it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't come true very often at all. Yeah. I mean, what a lot of people do is they see the Flappy Bird, and I, I know I'm using that, but this oh, it's a good through yeah. everything. But it's a great example. Yeah. You see the Flappy Bird guy, and he was making like forty thousand dollars a day. Sure. Okay. So now. At one point, Apple is actually reporting that there was like 25 to 45 Flappy Bird clones going on the iPhone store every hour. Oh, my goodness. So when you do the math of that, you know, you've got like millions of Flappy Bird clones now that are on there. You want to know who's made the money? The first guy. Yeah, right. The other, the other million, they're getting they're going, whoa, I made like $7 or I didn't that, make any yeah. money or, right. oh, well – so they're they're making nothing and you don't hear about them nobody goes on and goes hey guys i made zero dollars isn't that awesome right. you know you don't see the media marketing magazines and all that kind of stuff going we have some great reports on these games that made absolutely nothing and no one knows about <laughs> right you know nobody nobody hears about this so all they hear is about the flappy bird guy mm-hmm. or they hear about the 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 running game guy or the the match three guy that made all this money you don't hear about the other million people that didn't make money. Right. So and those like, are, oh. yeah, whether they're imitators or not, like a lot of people surely put in a lot of work to make a game that's original and creative and they don't get the same publicity. So. Exactly. Yeah. They, they try their best in that. And not everything is just a clone. There's games out there that are absolutely fantastic, yeah. but you're being swamped by this just mass of things that are coming over it. You, you, don't, you can't be heard. You know, sure. you're screaming at the top of your lungs like, look at my game. It's legit. Yeah, well, that's nice. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Flappy Bird guy or, right. or I've already got my game or something like that. Yeah. Or, well, how come your game's not free? Sure. Well, I mean, I need to make money. Right. Well, yeah, but I could go get a whole bunch of other games for free. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. So how did you meet the other developers at Hearthfire Studios? Um, okay, well, he, we met 
um, almost in the year 2001. Uh, my girlfriend at the time and I were playing EverQuest, and we were in the beginner's forest running around killing rats with sticks, and we encountered another group. So we grouped with them, and it was actually in that – and then, you know, we met up for the day, we killed rats, and it was a good old time, and we separated, and then ran in together again, killing orcs, and we grouped up, and we just started talking, and, and, and getting to be friends, and stuff like that. Eventually, we moved on to World of Warcraft, Lord of the Rings Online, like, MMOs just endlessly after that, and then Diablo, and, and so on, and we've been talking to each other online, like, ever since. We pretty much chat with each other every day for, like, the last 10 plus years. We've just become best friends online. We've only seen each other maybe four times in our life. Nice. And, and does, that, but, so does he not live in Toronto, or? Uh, no, he's in the States. Oh, okay. Yeah, Excellent. no, he's he's a long ways away and stuff yeah. like that. So every once in a while, we take a trip to, uh, you know, go say hello and that. But for the most part, it's like an online best friendship. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and did Hearthfire do other games before Lantern Forge? Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> he says with some reluctance. <laughs> You got to fail to succeed, right? right? And and that's really what it was. We we started with casual games because mm -hmm. that's honestly the easiest to get into. Oh, sure. If you want to start game development, go with casual. Mm -hmm. You can make puzzle games and, and other simple games that are really easy. It's gentle way into the market. Um, a lot of the uh, um, publisher sites that are also a lot more lenient to you and a little bit more accepting. I mean, we still had games where they told us no. You know, we're like, no, this this game is terrible. We're like, mm -hmm. all right, and um, so we moved on, and we've we've made like matching games and and uh, you know different kinds of puzzle games and stuff like that. That did, I mean, they did all right, but again, they weren't really totally successful. But right. we learned sure. so much. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. so getting into Lantern Forge itself, where and oh. how did the idea for that game begin? Which other games were inspirations for it? Um, we had actually met, um, met up. We went to, uh, we went to Disney world last year and at, in the summertime about now, and we were, so we were just chilling out by the pool the one time sitting there and we're like, you know what, we've, we've made all these casual games, stuff like that. It's not really going anywhere. And I think that's because we're making games that we don't love. You know, you got to make something that you love so that oh, other sure. people will love it too. Yeah. And that, so we started going, well, what do we love? We love RPGs. We love crafting and, and building stuff like Minecraft and Terria. Mm -hmm. We love killing stuff like in Diablo right. and that. And we're like, so what could us to do that we would be able to make it look good, play really nice, but to be something within the scope that we could handle? So we came up with an idea of making an isometric game, uh, 2D, that you know would incorporate a lot of the Minecraft Terria level world generation and that that those games do and we spent months concepting it and coming up with it and talking about it designing and then we came up with a solid plan and and it just kind of all started to fall into place and it was amazingly easy after that you know you, you we've built games where we would sit there you know arguing for days straight just how to make a button look right but this game just it fell into place so you what like, was different about it why was the process easier this time um, one, we liked the game. Mm -hmm. We we love what we were doing. Right. So 
it's easier to know that something feels right when you love it. Right. When when it, when you're trying to do something you don't like, sometimes you don't like something you don't even know why. You know, you're sure. like, this doesn't feel right. I don't enjoy this. But it doesn't matter how you would have built it. You probably still would not have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, we we everything started to fall in place. How the characters should look and act. You know how how the enemies should be. The the overall theme, the colors and stuff like that. Um, one of the biggest things that we actually had that told us that we were doing something right is that our, our girlfriends actually liked the game. Nice. You know, when, and why was that a big deal for you? Well, okay, we've had them tell us before that our games suck. Or they <laughs> or or you get the friends or the girlfriends that are like, Oh, that that's nice. Oh, do you want to play? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I've got, actually got something I gotta do, you <laughs> right, know. Right. Whereas they would walk by, they're like, Oh, that's really nice. Oh, mm-hmm. that's pretty. Oh, I would I would do this. I feel like I would want to do this or I'd want to do that. And they felt that pull and they actually wanted to play the game and they did and they actually had fun. And we would sit back and watch them play, and they're doing stuff we hadn't even considered. Mm. You like know? What? And we found that when you can take your imagination and actually just go with it, we were like, this is what this game was meant to do. Yeah. And we would continue to mold the game around that. Mm-hmm. So no, having our loved ones actually like the game and actually have that interest was a big thing for us, oh, definitely. Sure. What Can you think of an example of something they were doing that you hadn't anticipated? Um, they... Um, and I don't mean to sound sexist, but they really loved building and, and the crafting and the setting up the uh, the furniture and then capturing the animals. And they mm-hmm. wanted to keep all the animals in pens and all that kind of stuff. We had initially not even planned to do that. We mm-hmm. were just going to have animals, you know. They would be in the wild. You could collect from them and stuff like that. But they're like, oh, I want to put them in pens and, and, and capture them. And I want right. to collect this. And we're like, Okay, that that sounds like it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, they would start to build houses in ways that we hadn't anticipated. So we actually changed how the mechanics of how to build the house to make it better for what they liked. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you just just a lot of little things that you're like, we never really considered this. Yeah, sure. The female market is massive oh, and yeah. generally underappreciated. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of things that were like, what would what would a girl want to do on this Mm -hmm. and that doesn't just go to building or anything either that's also just combat wise we're like we don't want to have blood sprayed everywhere Mm. it's a game that you know kids can play women don't really care about that as much either you know certain things like that so there's a lot of just directions that we took just to include everyone sure yeah um what would you say was the biggest challenge you faced during the game's creation i would say it was actually um performance when you have something like Terrier or Minecraft, you see these really low-res graphics. Terrier is made up of little pixels and stuff like that. Yeah. That allows them to just, you can send a ton of pixels. They're all like one little byte each and stuff like that. Our game has a lot of large graphics, mm-hmm. um, large characters that are very, you know, very well animated. We've got a lot of large blocks. There's a whole lot of sprites in the world. There's well over 5,000 sprites at any given time. Mm-hmm. This caused a lot of issues with performance. Mm-hmm. We've had to break up sprite tables and redo lighting and redo a whole bunch of things to get the uh, SDK to work properly to be as efficient as possible in that mm-hmm. because, yeah, it, it's a lot of load on the system compared to something tiny like, uh, like Terria. Yeah. And what would you say is something in the game that you're proudest of? The flexibility. Mm-hmm. Just the, we, the design of it to allow people to 
do what they want to do. Um, we will look at the forums, and it's incredible reading about how people go about it. Someone apparently they farmed and they made like 300 chocolate cakes that they could sell to merchants <laughs> to buy gear that they wanted to. Nice. We've had other people that they didn't buy a thing; they just dove down into the underground and killed stuff endlessly to get to like level 99 and get the best gear. Mm. Um, we've had people that go in the middle road. We have people that there's so many different ways that people have done that. We've seen people clear out dungeons and then decorate them and make it their home. <laughs> you know, nice. that, that was what we wanted to see. We, we see people that are playing melee classes. We see people that are playing ranged. We wanted to make sure that both of them were viable. Yeah. We wanted to make sure that you could do it in so many different angles and approaches and still have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Play your way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and has anything sort of surprised you about player reactions or responses to the game? Yeah, actually. I mean, when you build the game and you're working on it for like six to ten months straight, you really do start to go, is this game fun? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know everything about the game. You, mm -hmm. You've been playing it endlessly. So you start to go, you know, but I know I kind of like this game, you know, and and, and as a game developer, when you're making a game, if you kind of like your game, that is a big thing. Most most times you hate your game by the time you're done. <laughs> I right, don't want right. to touch this anymore. Oh, sure. The people who made Diablo, they hate Diablo. <laughs> right. I, I, I guarantee this. Yeah. But um, no, yeah, uh, we, um, I, I see what people are doing all the time. And and that and and it always blows my mind that that they love it so much they have the flexibility to do what they want and they're enjoying the graphics they're enjoying the gameplay and our forums are just bursting at the seams with people that want more mm -hmm. we've even had people that it's funny they they say they don't like the game because they want this and this and this mm -hmm. and we almost laugh a little because i know when i don't like a game i move on to the next game right when i want more in a game that's because I love the game and I want more in the game. Yeah, even sure. some of the people do say, oh, I don't like the game. It's like they don't even realize that they actually love the game and they just right. see the potential and they want more. Right. You know? So, yeah. yeah, these kind of reactions have been absolutely amazing. I mean, I've been on a lot of forums for different games and the trolls, the hate, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And our, our forums are just full of absolutely amazing people who love the game. Yeah. Everyone has been so helpful. Mm -hmm. We've been able to track down bugs because users have literally torn apart the computers and, and analyzed stuff and given us so, so much feedback that we've been able to fix these things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the community itself has been absolutely fantastic and, and so supportive. Yeah, and I can say, you know, as somebody who has been playing the game and really enjoys it, I think part of that is because you've been involved in the process of communicating with the community as well and a lot of developers, it seems, will put the game out there and then just sort of step back and let the community discuss amongst itself, but it's yeah. really nice when a developer will, you know, step in and say, hey, we have been working on this or you know we are aware of that and that's a really good thing to feel that interactivity right and honestly it's a good it's a good practice that devs should take because mm -hmm. I think a lot of reason a lot of games tend to fail or fade away is that they aren't there nurturing the game. They aren't right. there to keep it going and stuff like that. I mean, if the dev isn't willing to put in more time with the game, why should anybody else? Yeah. You, you want to be able to talk with these people. You want to know, what is this game? What What's going on in it? What are you going to be doing with it? You know, why should I invest my time in this game? Yeah. And that. So, yeah, no, talking with the community is so important for for anyone to do. And it seems like it's a valuable thing for building support for your next game too because if people know who you are and they like the way your studio works, they're more likely to pay attention and get excited about the future games as well. Totally. We, we've already had people that said, yep, 
whenever they make the next game, I'm just going to, my wallet's already open. So <laughs> right. We already have customers for our next game. And, that, and they see who you are and stuff like that. I mean, some of the games like Towns or something like that, yeah. you can tell the next game they are not going to admit <laughs> what game right, they made right. previously. Yeah, no doubt. So. Um, so the one thing I will say is that I've seen a couple of reviews that have mentioned the fact that the pathfinding, you know, when you click on an area yeah. you want your character to go, is a little uh-huh. wonky. Anything you want to say about that or efforts uh, to yeah, improve yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're totally working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, character pathfinding, like for mobs, it's pretty easy. We, yeah. we have them running around walls at you and stuff like that because they're doing their own thing. Character pathfinding is this whole new ball of wax because you have to take control away from the user right. in order to pathfind, right? So that always becomes a, a very tricky means of, you know, okay, I want my character to go up to this tree and then go around to the right to avoid a moth. Mm-hmm. But if you just click and and the pathfinding goes, well, the left is actually a shorter way right, <laughs> right. through that bee's nest or something <laughs> like that, you know, you're going to get upset by that. Yeah. Um, at what point are you able to relinquish control and give it back? You know, there's a lot of different things that we're, we're playing with to get smoother. Um, when you have a game like Diablo or Torchlight, they have very large open areas. They might have a pillar here or a hill there, right. but for the most part, they're very wide open, allowing the pathfinding to have a much easier chance. Mm-hmm. Because Lanternforge is so narrow and small and tight, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it can cause some issues. Mm-hmm. So we have a few different uh, methods that we're looking at um, to get the pathfinding to be a little bit smoother, mm-hmm. like a little bit more short range of you can just slide past trees a little easier right. and stuff like that. You know, it won't figure out a path to get all the way around all this stuff. But right. if it hits something, maybe you can just slide around it a little yeah. easier. And I have to say, um, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the disparity between what people were complaining about and what I found in the game, I was kind of expecting it to be, you know, oh, completely insufferable, but it's really not. It's a minor inconvenience from time to time. Right, and I, exactly. And I mean, we we've, uh, we give you the ability to even just hold your mouse and drag the character yeah. exactly, so you can na- navigate quite a well. Yeah. Um, a feature that we actually didn't know about at first, when we first thought of the game, and it came about halfway through, was the combat mode to the interactive mode. Mm-hmm. Literally you're switching the game from Minecraft to Diablo. Right. Uh, we found out, we, we realized we needed to do that early on because there is so much interactive stuff, but when you're fighting or you're trying to navigate, it's almost impossible to click in here without clicking on something. Mm-hmm. So again, that was just something else we did to help with the movement. Um, we've been looking into the whole, a lot of people want uh, WASD the, for key movement, mm-hmm. you know, which... Um, We've gone on to a lot of different uh, sites that have, there's huge conversations about isometric games with those kind of controls. Yeah, it seems like, like it'd be how, a little odd for the three quarters perspective there. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, how do you do your angles? Do you align them as a 45 or do you right. align them with the pathing of, you know, because a world is generally about a 30 degree angle, right? right? right. We're kind of back so to a Qbert scenario where you're moving diagonally and stuff. Yeah, like, is up moving you diagonal or is right. it moving you straight up? Like, yeah. So there's a lot of theory behind it. So, again, it's just you got to try to find something that works. Sure, sure. Um, we're implementing another um, movement thing that we're going to try where you can just simply hold a button to have the character walk towards wherever your mouse pointer is without mm-hmm. having to click. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're trying to just place walls. Well, instead of having to i got to place a wall and then take that off my cursor so that I can move. You can actually just hold a button and he'll automatically walk to where you're pointing mm-hmm. so that you don't need that to do the switch. Mm-hmm. You know, So we're going to keep putting in different control methods to help 
alleviate things. Sure. Um, building the game right from the start, we knew that everything needed like two or three ways to do it because right. people do stuff differently. Oh, sure. Having options is always a great thing as a player. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, is there anything you think that people are missing or maybe not appreciating in the game? Or is there anything you'd like to see in reviews that isn't being mentioned? Hmm. I know sometimes developers will have stuff in mind, like wait till people get a load of this, and then nobody ever says right, anything about it. Right, right. Um, not really that I know of. Um, I know a lot of the reviews. I think, I think if anything in the reviews, in a single review is what you're missing is the fact that it has the flexibility to play as you want. Because mm. I don't think a lot of people realize that other people are playing differently. Right. It, it's, but it's when you look at all the reviews together, you're like, wow, this person really liked it, but he was doing something totally different than mm. this person that really liked the game. Sure. Yeah. You know. So again, I think that's one of those things that people are playing and they don't realize, but mm. we're realizing. Yeah. So I mean, that's a good point of you know actually pointing it out in a review. But mm. yeah, as we stand back and look at all the reviews as a whole, we're definitely seeing that people are liking it for different reasons, sure. which is perfect because that's what we wanted it to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And as a as a player, I can say you know the thing with the copper coins is a good example of that because when I started digging around, I was I thought to myself well, I'm not really finding any copper ore, but then I realized I had been killing monsters and getting copper coins, and you can change those over into the copper ingots, which is a really good, you know, like you said, it's different options about how to get the copper that you need. Right, yeah, so. and and it being a random world mm -hmm. also adds, um, one day, I literally sat there for an hour, I would start a new game, and I would time it of how long it took me to find copper ore. Right. So my goal was to simply go looking for copper ore as fast mm -hmm. as I could and see how long. And and I even played like Terria and I did Minecraft and I did the same thing. Mm. And on average, it's faster to find it in our game than it is for those two hmm. by almost 50%. Yeah. Some games, though, it took me almost 10 minutes to find copper ore. Right. Other times I go down the stair and, oh, it's right here. Right. You know, Or you break a crate and it comes out of there. So, yeah, we, we try to give you as many options to try and counteract whenever you have really bad luck in other <laughs> right. areas. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how would you rate your experience releasing the game through the different formats, Steam and Desura? And, um, you know, I know you make it available on your website. Have the user ratings been more of a headache or a blessing? Um, the user ratings have been an absolute blessing. Mm -hmm. um, it's everywhere that we've gone, we've gotten great reviews. Everyone has really liked the game. And it's helped push, it has helped push us to realize that our game is good so that we could get it pushed more towards bigger review sites, which we're still trying to do. Mm -hmm. If we, you know, get some of the bigger review sites to take a look at us and stuff like that. Um, but word of mouth is a huge marketing opportunity. Mm -hmm. So. And do you have thoughts about, you know, there's some kerfuffles we've seen with developers taking down negative reviews. Ha has there been any um, tension between yourself and people who, you know, don't care for the game or whatever? There was only, we've only, we've actually had a great time. We only had one troll uh -huh. and that, which is <laughs> a fantastic that we've only had one troll. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's quite amusing at times, as long as you know not to feed them. Right. You know, trolls are always hungry. So yeah, you just, um, you have to be, you have to be accepting. 
And I know that when I've made previous games and, and been on forums there, you, you get hurt easily, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you've put so much work into something. And then someone goes and goes, your thing looks like crap. Right. And they've spent 30 stuff. seconds with it, if that. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? The gameplay time on them is like is almost nothing. Or right. I've never played your game, but it looks stupid. <laughs> right, right. You know, or, or you're, I've been told my graphics look like 1980s. Right. And then I, I'm like, have you looked at the 1980s? Right. I, I was there in the 80s. <laughs> Trust me, it don't look like this. Yeah. But they don't know. They don't know how to appreciate it. They don't know how to interpret it. Or, or however, when you really step back and look at it, you're like, either they don't know what they're talking about, or they do know what they're talking about, but they don't know how to bring it properly, or they're just a jackass. <laughs> you know. So you, you, you really got to take it and step back and go, yeah, you know, I just, I'm just gonna just let it go because a lot of times, a lot of those, what they're saying isn't really applicable. But the overall message they're bringing across might be quite useful. Mm. You know, oh, your thing sucks because of the controlling and I could and blah, blah, blah. Well, right there they said they had issues with controlling. Right. No problem. We can work with that. Yeah, they're angry and they're bringing it about wrong. Mm-hmm. But there might actually be valuable information there. Sure. So, yeah, other than that one troll, I mean, you have your basics, you know, oh, I wasn't didn't have much fun doing this or this was really hard or, oh, it was kind of buggy. Yeah, no problem. And how would you say the release of Lantern Forge has changed your experience of playing games now that you've sort of been through the process of designing one of such complexity? Oh, even before Lantern Forge was released, I, I definitely in the last few years, I've always known that I'll be playing games and then I just kind of stop. And my girlfriend will look over me like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just admiring these rocks. <laughs> They're very well made and stuff right. like that. Or, oh, these plants look great. Or, oh, that character animation is, is quite neat. And <laughs> look at the design, the color elements. And I'll just be like in a corner somewhere doing my little thing, you know, and it's like, what the heck are you doing? Oh, I'm just admiring this and that. No, um, both my friend and I, we tear games apart and that. So we're, we're just always analyzing the, the game designs, the, you know, how, how could we do this? How could mm. we do that? And Does that ever like feel that, limiting? Like you, you can't just enjoy the experience of the game, but you see through the, you know, fourth wall, so to speak? Only if a game is really bad Mm. because if you break the immersion of the game that's when you start stepping back going oh yeah this this could have been done differently Mm. and oh they really cut on this or they cut on that but no no i've definitely been playing games and even i think it helps me appreciate games more when you step back and you start to really you know i like this but why and then when you see it you're like oh that's so great i really i respect what they did with this and with that you know like a game like journey Mm-hmm. was mind-blowing and I'm and I'm even looking at a developer's point of view and I'm like that's so genius you have progression without words and signs you have colors and, and sound and emotion that's making me feel these things you know like how do you do this and I'm analyzing it and I, no it, it I would say it actually amplifies your appreciation of the art of making a video game and stuff like that as long as it's well done or at least decently done. I mean, if it's badly done, then you just step back and go, nope. (laughs) Right. That makes sense. Um, So you said you're doing an an AMA on Reddit and Ask Me Anything forum, um, and you said that your uh, company's planning to expand on Lantern Forge. Um, Do you mean make the game different in future versions of it or do a sequel or some other game? 
Um, no, it, we want to expand on the game as it is, add mm -hmm. more features, add more things. Excellent. There's plenty that we didn't have a chance to uh, do that we came up during development, you know, but we're like, this will add too much time to development. Mm -hmm. That would be that would be nice, but it's not needed. You know, um, it's basically feature creep, except that because we came up with our game design development uh, document right at the beginning, we stuck to it closely mm -hmm. sure. so then anything we came up with extra we've made extra so like uh npcs we want to put more npcs in the world to do more than just stand there we want them to interact fight off monsters and stuff like that sure. um we want bosses and stuff like that we want you know more design elements more dungeons more biomes more world events going on um some of this has even come from the community someone because i had mentioned that i really wanted to put aliens in the game mm -hmm. that you could have aliens invade and all that kind of stuff yeah. and someone was like oh what if like the U flying saucers would come and steal your cows <laughs> nice and i was like that is awesome <laughs> i really want to do that yeah. you know so yeah no we, we really want to build on the game and keep adding to it i mean this is what Minecraft did this is what Terria did um, Terria has a uh, like a hardcore like um, mode where once you kind of get to a certain point the whole world changes and yeah. new monsters and that are introduced and this was only introduced into the game like almost two years after release mm -hmm. you know because it takes so much and we're like that's that's the development course we really wanted to take. Sure. And yeah. I know someone asked on the AMA about this, but I'm just curious to get your take on, you know, some developers will have those ideas in mind and say, okay, because we haven't put all that stuff in, we're going to release it as early access now and then keep adding stuff as we go along. What are your thoughts about the benefits of doing it that way versus giving a, an actual game now and then saying we're still going to be adding more stuff into this as we go? Yeah, see... When you tell me I'm going to go in early access and then I'll just keep adding stuff as we go, that means that you don't actually have a solid plan of what mm -hmm. you want in your right. game. And that would make me nervous. Mm -hmm. um, that would make me go, well, but don't you have a vision of what your game should be? Because that means that you're succumbing to feature creep mm -hmm. and, and that. And feature creep is a very, very dangerous thing because that means that your game could sit in early access forever. Like Rust. <laughs> Exactly, right? Yeah. And you're implementing new stuff, possibly new bugs, possibly things that were never even meant to be in there. Yeah. You could end up changing the game completely, but you shouldn't need to, you mm -hmm. know? You should be like, like this is my game. Right. When Minecraft came out, he's like, I want you to be able to break blocks and move them to other places. <laughs> Done. Right. And he did that, and he yeah. had that game. Now, again, Minecraft still stayed in beta for years, yeah. you know, as he worked on it and stuff like that. So, but he knew that and people knew that getting into it. And that's fine. He had his plans and stuff like that. But he wasn't like, I'm going to stay in beta until I can put my villagers in there or yeah. I can get the enchanting table in there. Yeah. You know, that's like, it's not in my initial scope. So I will release the game and then continue to add. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that is a great way to do things. It keeps you interested, invested in the game. Maybe you played the game for in that. You're like, I'm going to put it aside, but I'm going to come back in a few months just to see what new stuff they've added. Yeah. You know, Maybe I can go fishing and all that kind of stuff. I really want to put fishing in Lantern Forge. <laughs> I think but, that'd be great. Um, no, I agree with that. Um, early access, um, I was in access with another game. Um, mm -hmm. I worked for L3O Interactive. We made uh, Horizon. It's a 4X strategy game. Mm -hmm. And we were in early access. And it was brilliant for us. It worked so well. We had a game that was mostly feature complete. And we had people that could come in. They had to pay for the game, but they got a discount. 
they played the game and they gave us amazing feedback. Mm -hmm. We were able to work out bugs, gameplay elements, all that kind of stuff. And that, and that's what early access should be. It should be, you have a feature complete game, come and help us test it. Make sure the bugs are out and stuff like that. You're in a beta. If you're adding features and you're like, oh, well, I'll see where it goes. That's an alpha. That's, that's, that's a beginning concept in that, you know? It's yeah. a dangerous place. Definitely. Um, so speaking about video game development in general, what would you say is something that a lot of game developers either don't understand or don't do well? I mean, we talked about feature creep, but presumably there are other things as well. Yeah, feature creep, scope, you know, just definitely figuring out how big your game should be. Mm-hmm. Um, we've known people that have never made a game before, and they're like, I'm going to make an MMO. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> uh, no, no, you're not. Uh, you get on that match three game, and then you can go from there. Right. Um, you really need to love what you're doing. Yeah. You, you can't go into video game development going, I play games, is that good enough? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be you're going to be spit out. You're, you're not going to be able to stay the course. It's a very it, different it, experience, I'm sure, playing a game versus designing them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Even people are like I play like playing games, I'll be QA. QA mm-hmm. is tough. Right. I have a lot of respect for people that do QA. Oh, sure. QA requires you to play the same game over and over and over and not even the same game. Okay, um, can I get you to walk down this hallway 50 <laughs> times? Right. And that, um, I remember when I bought Skyrim, um, I had the big collector's edition and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I really wanted an awesome dragon. But I had a video in there of the development of Skyrim. Mm-hmm. And they were showing the QA section. And that guy sat on that couch for 15 hours a day straight. <laughs> he never moved. Right. They would show like a time lapse. And he was just sitting there as people were whipping around and that. And he just sat there the whole time, mm-hmm. you know. He loves what he does. He's not there because he's like, yeah, it's a good paycheck. He loves what he does. And you have to love what you do. I'm glad someone loves that QA stuff because I I don't think I would. Exactly. I I, I don't even think I would, you know? I mean, I I do my best with Lantern Forge even. I I was going to ask about that. Like, you know, as an indie developer, you don't have a person, presumably, you can pay to sit and play the same hallway 15 hours a day. But So how do you take care of those QA issues then? It's tough because... You have to find someone to play your game. You yeah. have to. Um, we've played our game. We know everything about our game. Mm-hmm. We know what doesn't work. We know what does work. We even find ourselves avoiding stuff that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that this isn't going to work, so I'm not going to do it. Right. No, 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 no. It's, it's, you know that it doesn't work, so we'll fix it. Yeah. You know, you've played the game so many times, you anticipate things, and you play differently. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we had our girlfriends show up and they sat down and played the game, we're like, whoa. We never thought about doing that. When we had other friends come over and play the game, it was like totally different again. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, see, people play in so many different ways. You have to get people to try your game. And you have to tell them, I know you're my friend, but I want you to be an ass to me. I want you to tell me the truth. If you Mm -hmm. think my game sucks, I need you to tell me it sucks mm-hmm. because you telling me, oh, no, dude, it's pretty cool. They don't want to hurt your feelings, not, but that doesn't help you in the process. It doesn't help me at all. Yeah. In fact, that's worse because right. now I'm going to go the next three months developing this game that apparently sucks, but no one was willing to tell me <laughs> right, sure. about. And I released it to the world, and the world's like, whoa, that sucks. Yeah. Like, well, my friends think it's cool. <laughs> Why didn't someone tell you this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My friends are too nice. Didn't anyone tell you that that was a stupid idea? Right. And then you're looking at your friend sitting there in a the corner. And you're like, no, no, they didn't. You're a out. better friend than my real friends ever. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So what would you say excites you most about video games in 2014? What's something that's available to us now that wasn't available five, ten years ago? Dynamics, I would mm-hmm. have to say. I mean, I know they've been slowly coming in, but they're getting more and more. So this is allowing gameplay to 
basically grow on its own. Mm -hmm. You're you're making a game and then you let people go. Um, Goat Simulator was a perfect example of that. That Mm -hmm. game had zero, had had almost zero actual gameplay that was scripted or set up or anything like that. It's here's a sandbox. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Go make your own game. Right. What you want to stick your tongue to it, something and pile it all up, and then make stuff explode. That kind of randomization is allowing people to make their own games out of the game that you've given them. Sure. Um, when you go into a first-person shooter and you're going up against a whole bunch of guys, they're not doomed. They're not sitting there in one spot, you know, making that idle animation. Right. And as long as you can see a pixel, you can shoot it. It's like, um, are those guys breaking off into squads to flank me? Am I getting out, flanked out by a smoke grenade right now as a sniper's up on a building? Mm-hmm. And that, oh, I died. Okay, I'm going to reload. And then when they do, oh, they're doing something different this time. Mm-hmm. You know, the AI, the dynamics, the, the, the ability to make a world change around you mm-hmm. so that it's always different and you experience something new and you get drawn into that. Sure. I find it's becoming so much more prevalent this year than it was say five years ago or something like that do you think that has the potential to get in the way of storytelling in other words if i have a story i want to tell but i start introducing those randomization elements it could make it more unbelievable for the story that i want the 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 player to move along yes that would be a design thing that you have to really nail home how you're going to do this are you going to i'm going to let you do whatever you want and then have certain breaks where there's a cutscene. Yeah. Um, Just Cause Two. I I, yeah. I I'm I'm playing that again for the thirtieth time. <laughs> and um, you know, there's mission stories that you go to. Right. And when you do that, they give you a little cutscene yeah. of, hey, you're a badass. Go break something. <laughs> All right, that's cool. <laughs> and then the rest of the game, you're just doing everything. It's sure. literally called Just Cause because yeah, you're yeah. just doing it Just Cause. <laughs> and that. So you've got that dynamic element that's has checkpoints Mm -hmm. so these are things that you'll you'll want to put into like how do you funnel them to go into this one area so that we can continue the story Mm -hmm. you know um other ones might have you go through this is a totally dynamic game down a pathway so that as you make your way destroying everything in sight because you know we love destroying stuff Mm -hmm. and that you're going to encounter the story elements as you go, right. you know? So yeah, no, if it's not going to hamper story, but it is going to require developers to better deliver that story, right. to better think up how we're going to encounter it as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite storytelling will always be real-time storytelling. Mm-hmm. I am playing the game as you're telling me. I am running around with my goat, destroying cars, right. and then this other dude like flies up and is like, talking next to me going yo dude guess what just happened and that you know as i'm like flinging a car at someone eating their picnic and that and then i'm like okay that's cool and, and away i go but i'm still playing i I'm, the world now is real because the second that cutscene starts on or, or the mission log pops up you're suddenly stopping right you know i'm not doing my randomness i'm mm-hmm. not doing my dynamic stuff anymore sure. i have been stopped and filtered down that path right and it seems so. like you know crafting games are in a kind of unusual position because they generally don't have a lot of story and you know even lantern forge kind of plops you in a world and says here you go get on with it um i wonder if that's something that's inherent to the genre or do you think there might at some point be a way for us to have a story that involves building things yeah I would love to see a story start to get put into these types of games. Um, actually, one of the first games that I played that had a story that did 
sort of the modification was Red Faction, right. the very first one, where, I mean, there's limits to it, though, but it had the whole, hey, there's a doorway, there's other guys in there. I'm going to take a bunch of mines and dig a hole in the ground and <laughs> right, come up on right. the other side. I think there would be excellent opportunities for you to be able to modify and change the world and craft stuff to 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 make it work for you. Yeah. I mean, you give me like Super Mario World or or Conquer's Bad Fur Day or some of these like grand cartoony amazing worlds and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but you let me change that that level that I'm in so that I could complete my objective right. by modifying the whole world. That would be a glorious thing and stuff yeah. like that. That's, I got to write that down even. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's absolutely good for you. Um, right now we're just starting to get into these crafting worlds, these yeah. modable worlds. And people are generally using them as a, as a, as a sandbox, yeah, yeah. To, you know, because that's the fun thing. It's it's like we're giving you a digital box of Legos. Mm-hmm, sure. And one of the funnest things about Legos is not following the directions. It is for some people. But yeah. most of the times you're just like, ah, my Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm going to stick some wheels on it, some right. grenade launchers, and away I go. So generally you don't want a story to trap you in that. Sure. Even with Lantern Forge, we were thinking, hey, you know, what should we do for a story? And we're like, anything we came up with, we're like, but that's limiting the people. Mm, right. That's limiting you to, this is our story. Sure. So in your sandbox, you have to follow our story. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just didn't want that. Sure. So that we've sense. had role players actually uh, message us about what's the story so that we could get into it and stuff yeah. like that. What's the what's the background story that we can try and role play to? Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I told them, I'm like, well, that's the beauty of it. What's your story? Yeah, what, sure. what do you want that story to be? Are you, you know, um, some of the ideas we had came up with were like, you know, there was uh, an evil in the world that has slowly mm-hmm. corrupted the place mm-hmm. and they were stealing souls mm-hmm. and your soul happened to fall out of the stream and that's how come you're abandoned in the middle of nowhere in this world that's desolate and has been destroyed and you're trying to rebuild yourself and, and mm-hmm. fight back against it. You know, um, you're actually a toy in a sandbox that, that someone's playing with you kind of like little big planet like nice. we came up with all these different angles but in all of them we're like well why don't we just they're all the same thing mm-hmm. why don't we let the user decide that, that what they are sure that makes so, sense um yeah. what uh games do you know about coming soon that are you interested in what are you most looking forward to and why uh dragon age inquisition oh, definitely yes. I'm with you on that one Oh man, that that looks absolutely amazing. Um, I was a big fan of the original Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. You know, just the freedom again to, you know, I'm going to be a dwarf. I'm going to be the elf, and right. the whole world is going to react to me and my decisions differently. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Age Two was a bit of a disappointment because you were sort of just funneled down that path. Right. This one again, they just they offer that that freedom again. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that. Okay. Um, I've been trying Destiny Beta. I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. enjoyed that. So. No doubt. I'm playing that and I definitely look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to people who are interested in making their own games? You've talked a little bit about the need for people to love what they do. Um, are there any nuts and bolts things you would recommend that people do before they start making their first game? If you're going to make a game, find out what you like to do and then be, get really good at it. If you, you don't go into it. I don't recommend people that are going to be like, I'm going to be the artist and the programmer and the musician right. because you're really spreading yourself out. Um, if you're going to be a programmer, be a programmer. If you're going to be an artist, be an artist. Sure. Absolutely, I encourage you to know what the other one is. Mm. Um, I know some programming 
I know how to make some music. You know, I can do everything and stuff like that, but I am an artist. Mm -hmm. But because I have that knowledge, it gives you a wider range of knowing what you can and can't do. It's very important in that. So, yeah, if you're going to get into game development, you should really pick the field uh, aspect that you like. Learn everything you can about it, you know. Become the best at it and stuff like that. Have an open mind and be ready to work. It's a glorious industry. I absolutely love it to death. That's great. Um, so obviously you've, you're, you've got a lot of plans for making Lantern Forge even better, but can you give us a little sneak peek about what game you might be working on in the future? No, not okay. really. I mean, we've, okay, well, it's, it's, think of it more like this way. We come up with a new game idea every week. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, we've come up with uh, card battle games, and then we saw Hearthstone, and we're right. like, okay, we're not going to go in that direction. Right. Uh, we've uh, developed um, like real-time RPG, like turn-based, um, <laughs> turn-based real-time, uh, <laughs> combat systems. Whatever we're going to do is definitely going to have the RPG element to it. Right. That's, that's who we are. We, sure. we just love it, you know, building upon stuff and that, you know. We aren't sure if we're going to do another sandbox game only because the market is starting to become quite saturated with it. Mm. You know, so do we go and invent something new? Um, Yeah, so I mean, sort of the world is our ocean and we'll probably come up with 50 more game ideas before we get around to uh, starting on that. So no, right now our focus is purely uh, Lantern Forge. We want to keep building it up, make it the best we can and get it out there to the people. Fantastic. Well, you know, like I said, I've really enjoyed playing it, so I appreciate all your hard work on it and um, making it available. And like I said, staying in touch with the players has really been a benefit as well. It's been a pleasure to keep in touch with them. Everyone is really awesome, and we're so happy that people are enjoying the game. Excellent. Anything else you wanted to say? Um, No. Tell your friends. Tell other people. Tell big game magazines, you know, paint billboards and (laughs) splatter them on the sides of houses, you know, stuff like that. And uh, yeah. Maybe one little sneak peek is uh, keep an eye out for goats. All right. All um, right. Well, you seem like a, an excellent guy. We really appreciate you joining us. Um, you seem like you have a good sense of humor. I'm not sure if you're a South Park fan, but... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we play a lot of sound clips on our podcast, so if you'll allow me this one opportunity to play one little clip, seeing as you're from Canada and all. You Absolutely. Canadians are all the same with your beady little eyes and flapping heads. So we just had to end on that little note there, but... <laughs> Thank you very much, Kevin, uh, from Hearthfire Games, and we wish you a lot of luck with Lantern Forge, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.